Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to the kickoff show with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal on 95.7 The Game. Sponsored by Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. And by Harris Ranch Beef. Legendary beef, legendary quality. Welcome back to the kickoff show. Hope everybody's having a phenomenal Thanksgiving weekend. The Red and Gold pregame show presented by Harris Ranch Beef, Legendary Beef, and Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey. Taste the world's number one bourbon. Well, Low Neal normally with us, but uh, we got Warrior Basketball today. JD's stopping by. JD will pick it up at 1130 and carry you right towards the uh, tip of Warriors T-Wolves and... Uh, you know, JD. Obviously, we're talking a lot of Niners this morning. NFL Week Twelve going off on some of the morning games around the uh, around the league have started. No score yet in any of the early games. So we'll keep you updated on that. Um, and the big question for the Niners today is, you know, is Debo going to go? Debo's been dinged up, and we'll want to get JD's thoughts on the Super Bowl. But I got to get your thought quickly on on uh, on Golden State at this point as well. You know what are we seeing with the Warriors? It just seems like they they were so good defensively last year. They've regressed so significantly in that in that area. It's like they kissed off their bench in free agency. They didn't replace them. You know they, they've got they've got these young players. It seems like Lakeup probably because of business reasons is tied to this two timeline thing. It doesn't seem to be working. Um, and you know, we had Fitz on the other day and Fitz was pointing out that, you know, the, the, that the starters, even though the starters have played so well, the starters didn't play well in a few games, uh, down the stretch and that that has impacted the warrior record and that it's not all the young kids and their lack of development, but I, I, you know, you got uh, Wiseman in the G League. You got Moody on the bench. You got guys like Lamb and and Jerome getting minutes over over guys like Moody and Kuminga. Um, what what's the solution here for Golden State? I'm hearing Yaka Pertle rumors. I'm hearing Jay Crowder rumors. Are the Warriors on the verge of sending? You know, there's also a lot of talk about Atlanta. Uh, want to move Bogdan Bogdanovich. I know the Warriors love Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, remember he beat them um, in a game with the Kings a few years ago and with a last-second shot. And I just think they really believe in Bogdan's basketball IQ. Uh, I think they would love to have Jay Crowder. 
Um, I think Travis Schlenk is, you know, probably open-minded to a number of different three-way deals. It sounds like it may be a four- or five-way deal if, if Crowder is involved coming to the Warriors. Um, what, what do you think? Are we going to see the Warriors make a make a, a trade well in advance of the February NBA trade deadline to shake things up? How long can they go down this road where they're, where they're you know, I mean, Draymond on the, with the second unit is a different look. Um, but is that is that have you seen is that the wrinkle that they need to turn this thing around? Well, for now, it has been the wrinkle that they've needed to to turn this thing around. It's really been twofold. It, it's it, Draymond at this team meeting going back to a week ago Sunday, leading up to the Knicks game, essentially telling Clay Thompson he's being selfish and and to to you know, move the rock a little bit and focus more on the team as opposed to himself and and he has made a conscious effort I think to look to move the ball and take fewer bad shots which you know I was in Phoenix covering the the game when the Warriors were there most recently about 10 12 days ago and it was it was noticeable visible how frustrated Clay's teammates were with with his play to the point where you know that was the kind of night where after that game I remember telling Steiny and, and talking about it on the post game that the vibe in that building in Phoenix that night was of the, of you know where guys might get into it in the locker room post game and somebody might snap and, and and say something and and it may lead to a team meeting or may lead to to needing some adjustments to be made. It sounds like cooler heads prevailed and everybody got home and, and took the day off after that Phoenix game and then Draymond called Bob Myers and said, "Hey, I want to." I, I want to address some things, you know, to to the team. And and Bob Myers had, had told me and Steiny when when he was on with us, I was filling for goo this week that you know he heard what Draymond had to say and and said, yeah, go for it. And and it sounds like part of that was this, you know, confrontation, I guess, in a way where Clay respected it, but Clay's changed his game, which I think is, has helped. Draymond being with the second unit, I, I think, has has helped. Uh, you know, home versus road, I think, has also helped. I mean, they're they're nine and one at home and one and nine on the road. So uh, I think it, at times the the veteran players to to. Bob Fitzgerald's point, sort of wanting to coast in some of these road games and win by outscoring teams, and then they find themselves where they've let a young team get rolling and can't win the final three, four minutes, and and that's bitten them in, in some of these games. But for now, it's really been, I think, Draymond involved in stabilizing the bench and also stabilizing Clay Thompson, which has allowed him to go four and one since, and the one loss was the game that they they turned into the developmental game against the Pelicans on, on Monday. So I, I think they're probably Jay Crowder aside because I think the Suns want – a resolution to that sooner rather than later, and I would love to have Jay Crowder. He would he would be perfect for 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 this Warriors team, really for any team that that has you know playoff contender you know goals as far as a, a role player goes. But aside from Crowder, I, I tend to think the Warriors are going to try to be as patient as they can and see if they can't start winning some games vault their way up in the Western Conference and then try to pepper in the young players a little bit more because that's the other that's the other elephant in the room, Larry, is the fact that 
the Warriors playing better basketball has really coincided with Moses Moody not playing at all, James Wiseman not even being with the team in, in Santa Cruz, and Jonathan Kaminga basically playing three, four-minute shifts each half, and sometimes not even the second half shift. Sometimes it's only the, the three or four minutes of the first half, and so the young players have been cast aside, but at least for the time being, by, by necessity. So I think they'll be patient. I think they feel like they figured some things out. Long-winded answer, Larry, for you. But I, I also think we have to see if it translates on the road. And, and these next two games at Minnesota and and, and at Dallas will will tell a little bit of that story one way or the other. Well, and I think, I don't know if you agree with this, but like if you said to me, okay, it's April 1st, um, and, the Warri- and, and the Warriors are going to be a blank seed, three seed, let's just say. Uh, do you like their chances of winning a title? I would say, yeah. I would. well, first of all, I would say, I need more information. I really do. Yeah, I'm happy that they're a three seed, and obviously that tells me a lot, but um, I need more information. I need, I need to know how they're playing. I need to know who's playing. I need to know what the rotation looks like, um, you know, going into the playoffs. If you said to me the Warriors are a six seed, do you like them for the, to win the title? Once again, I need more information than that. I need to know who's playing. I need to know who's in the rotation. I need to know who's not playing. I need to know kind of how they've looked in the last 10 games. So, to me, I I don't understand why they... You're going with such young players. You got seven guys or whatever that are like 22 or younger on this team. Why are they so worried about their record in a league where 16 teams make the playoffs and you've got this, you know, you've got this, you know, for half your team are basically infants. You have, you have this baby, half your team's a bunch of babies who have never played at all and that you've got to coach them up. So wouldn't, didn't, wasn't the expectation that there would be some bumps in the road? Wasn't the expectation that you'd lose some games in November and December that you shouldn't lose? They seem really bothered by their record and not bothered at all that they're not developing their young, their young players. I don't, I don't want to ever see Ty Jerome play over Moses Moody. I don't want to ever see Jonathan Kuminga riding the bench for some, for some G League cast off. But that's what that's where they're at right now, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not I don't understand why the development of their young trio uh, or you know five players you want to throw Baldwin and Rollins in there, why is that so like uh, totally secondary to winning when when everybody makes the playoffs you're gonna make the nobody ever says you know what we would have won the title but damn we just didn't make the playoffs. That happens in baseball. That happens in football. That's never happened in the history of the NBA. There's not one team that should have won the title that didn't win the title because they didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, I think, so what, what is it? What is it? Does seed matter or does development matter more? And I would say development matters more than seed for this team this year. And yet the vibe I'm getting from Kerr is that he thinks the opposite. Well, and I think they, they realized that it was worse than they expected. I think that's the that's the the key point to to just add to what you're saying. I I think it I think they planned going into the year, Larry, to play the young guys a, a certain amount. Like I thought, Wiseman had 15 minutes a game that were going to be his, and I think Kaminga probably had 15 to 20 minutes a game that were going to be his, and and Moody probably the same. But but they played so badly, and and it was impacting winning so much that I think they felt that. 
that it was getting away from him a little bit at, at three and seven, and and that I think there's also a pull between the veteran players and the future Hall of Famers and the young players to where, you know, I think those guys do want to coast a little bit coming off a championship hangover, and we're finding that that if they did, they they couldn't beat even Orlando on the road or, or they couldn't beat Detroit. And, and it just, I, I think they were looking for a little bit more stability that hadn't been there. And while they, I, I think if, if the three and seven had been five and five, I think they would have chalked it up to, yeah, okay. You know, growing pains, whatever these guys are playing. But, but I think the belief was 10 games ago, it's three and seven and it could be worse. And there's no signs that it's going to get better unless we do something different. And I think that's where the, the development has been cast aside over these last couple of weeks. And I don't think that's necessarily changing, Larry, because now they've gone seven and three in the last ten, and one of those three was a game that they basically punted and, and decided to let the young players play. So I, I think that's the – there are a lot of dynamics in, in that locker room and in that franchise between who's, who's accepting of what level of development and how bad that, that makes you. And to, to your point on making the playoffs – the Warriors don't want to be a play-in team, so they want to be top six. And and I think you look at it now, and I think the, the Warriors just moved out of 11th, right? So the top 10 make the play-in, or 7 to 10 make the play-in, and they had just moved out of 11th. And, and right now there's 11 teams that are 500 or better. And so I think there is a, a belief that, well, the top end isn't as good in the West, Larry, but there are maybe 10 or 11 teams that could hang around 40 wins, and you don't want to end up where somebody gets hurt, and then you're behind the eight ball to even get in. Forget about the 7 to 10, but get into that top six. I think they want to make sure they're top six. Yeah, it's interesting. Last year, they had the second-best defensive rating, 106.6 points per allowed per 100 possessions. This year, they've taken... To say they've taken a step backward, I mean, they've fallen through the floorboards. I mean, they've taken a sizable step backward. They're 27th in the league now in defensive rating, giving up 114.1 uh, per 100 possessions. So they've they've backslid defensively. Uh, they let their bench walk away in free agency. That obviously hurts them. They miss Peyton badly. Uh, I think they miss Mike Brown badly, to be honest, as well. But I think they also miss Otto Porter. You know, Otto Porter's a rebounder and a defender. And then you look at Looney and Green up front. I just think, you know, the Warriors last year were seventh in the NBA in rebounds. They're, they fall into 25th in the NBA in rebounds. So, I mean, I, I would say they need a versatile defensive wing like a Jay Crowder, but how much do they also need additional size in their front court? They, they do, uh, but I think they would want it. They would tell you that they want to play small in, in the biggest moments, and they feel that that's where, where their advantage is. So I think that, but having an extra wing player would allow them to do that. I mean, I, if I'm the Suns, just go back to Jay Crowder. I would not want Jay Crowder on the Warriors. And I, I know they have come to an untenable position where he wanted to start and they wanted to move on to Cameron Johnson, and, and they mutually agreed that, that they'd find a place for him. 
But to me, if you're the Suns and, and Jay Crowder winds up with the Warriors, that's the kind of move that, that ends up biting you in a, in a playoff series if you wind up playing them. Because you, you could plug uh, you could plug Jay Crowder right into to Jonathan Kaminga's slot in the rotation and, and all of a sudden start playing that, that spot. Instead of three minutes a half, you could probably play eight to ten minutes a half and you could you know, play him a little bit for Draymond. You could play him a little bit with Draymond. Like it would, it would just—he's just a winning player, streaky shooter, good defender, can guard multiple positions. Been on a lot of winning teams. Like if you're telling me the Warriors could add a guy like Jay Crowder, that that would be that would be huge for this team. I, I feel like now does he want a, a limited role? I think part of his reason that he wanted out of Phoenix was he didn't want a limited role. Uh, I think he wants to be a 35-minute-a-game guy. Wouldn't necessarily be that with the Warriors, but but I, I, think, I think they do probably need another wing unless one of the young players, Kaminga or Moody, find themselves to be a more regular member of the rotation. So just looking at, you know, their roster. Um, so if you're a recently signed free agent, you can't be traded until the middle of December. So that takes away DiVincenzo, Jermichael Green. Um, they're not moving Iguodala. Uh, and obviously they're not moving Looney. Wiggins signed an extension. I don't think he can be dealt this year. Poole got his, you know, got a rookie scale extension. He's trade eligible, but the math is so ridiculous. He, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's so, a four million dollar player this year. Not he's not a thirty million dollar player till next year, which screws with the math. Right. So you got to do all kinds of mathematical gymnastics to move him. And why would they move him? They just signed him. Um, so that leaves Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and. I don't think Steph's going anywhere. This just in. Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as Clay and Draymond, I don't think Clay's going anywhere. Draymond's kind of the question. And then that, so that leaves basically Baldwin Jr., Ryan Rollins, and Wiseman, Kuminga, and Moody. So, I mean, uh, you have a good sense of the fan base. You've been on 95.7 for a while. You're covering the Warriors and have for a while. You know the kind of the temperature of the fan base. Would Warrior fans lose it more? If they pulled the plug on Green and sent him packing, mean, knowing everything that he means to this team as a on and off the floor, or would they be more pushed out of shape if somehow they gave up on Wiseman, Kuminga, and Moody, uh, and or think, gave I up think, on the kids, or some combination of the kids? Let's say they yeah. gave up on two of the. Let's say two of the, giving up on two of the kids, or giving up on and pulling the plug on Draymond Green and sending him packing and breaking up the Hall of Fame. You know, core. What would get the Warrior fan more more outraged? The, the sense I get is that that the fan base is pretty fifty fifty on Draymond, and it, it's funny. I made that a, a big part of uh, our Warriors this week show yesterday. I host with with Whitey Gleason here, and we were talking about Draymond, and I was kind of laying out just how he's been a big part of of this turnaround, both with his leadership and and. You know, not being afraid to confront Clay on his poor play when nobody else seemingly had the guts to do it, and also the fact that he's playing at such a high level, he he's been able to stabilize the the, the bench group. And we got a ton of calls uh, about just people backing Draymond. I mean, it was almost eighty twenty. Like, hey, you know, we know he does some things that that make us uncomfortable, and we know he gets out of pocket from time to time. But this dude's all about winning, and you know, Steph Curry, the connection he has with him is a big part of. Curry's legend and, and ability to so effortlessly remain at the at the level that he's played at. 
I feel like the Warrior fan base is, is for the most part, starting to be done with Wiseman. I, I think because it's just taking so long, and now he's back to the G League, and he just doesn't seem to fit with Draymond or Steph. And I, I think that's the, the, the one area. Like, I think Kaminga, you know, he's still an athletic 3-4 type that's so raw that I think, you know, you want to see what you have in him a couple of years down the line. And I think Moody projects to be a playable player. I think he's, yeah, if Moody has to go in a deal, I think I think the Warrior fan would be out of that. But I, I think where the split comes is Wiseman v. Kaminga. And my sense is a lot of Warrior fans would be much more comfortable at this point giving up on Wiseman than giving up on a guy like Kaminga. Interesting. And, and yet Wiseman's got huge... Huge upside. He was the second pick in the draft, and you know, I mean, he's a twenty-year-old kid. He's putting up big numbers in the G League now. Um, where are you? As now, take the Warrior fan out of it, and just sure. Where are you on these guys? Are you are you all in on Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman? Are you all in on one, but maybe not the others? Um, how do you view that trio? They're going to have to make a move, I think, if they want to win a title this year. I, I think they're going to have to to bring in one more capable rotation veteran to to get them through. And and with that said, I think they would have to move one of the young players in an attempt to to do that. I do feel like Wiseman would be the most likely of of the young players if if they were going to to go that route. I, I just don't think they're good enough or deep enough as currently constituted with the young players playing so few minutes to, to be able to, to get on the type of run that, that they want to get on. So I'm not really done with any of the three, but I also think that they probably come up a little bit short just because they aren't quite as deep as they were a year ago. And look, the other thing is, too, they really haven't had an injury to, to any of their key players yet, which is which is in part, I think, why the Warriors were so alarmed by the fact that they were 3-7 and seven and, and struggling and even being 10-10 ten and ten now. I mean, if you lose somebody big at, at 500 for a couple of weeks, you might be making that climb again. I mean, it, it took them three weeks, Larry, to get back to 500. Once you get four or five games under, you know, it takes you a, a chunk of the season to do that. And so I think that was becoming concerning. But I think they're going to need to add one more vet. It doesn't necessarily have to be a superstar player. I think they're hoping they don't have to give up anybody because they, they are high on the on the, the future and the development. I, I guess my question or, or concern really is how, how long is it how long is it going to take for those young players to really contribute and how are they going to how are they going to get better if they're not playing and i think they're they're not playing because right now them not playing is giving the warriors a better chance to win so i guess like i can say i love 2025 wiseman i love 2025 kaminga i love 2024 25 moses moody like i can say that but at the same time i'm i'm struggling with finding a pathway to how they're actually going to get to that point. Like we can say it, but how are they actually going to achieve it? And I just don't think they're going to achieve it with the current plan that the, that the Warriors have in place with them not being a part of the night in night out game plan. You know, I, I really thought when they brought in Jokic's coach, what's his name? Delos something. Uh, I, I thought there was a very good chance that Wiseman would really develop. It's also really disappointing that they don't need James to do anything other than really run the floor, challenge shots, rebound with a vengeance, set a few picks, dive to the bucket, you know, catch the lob. 
I mean, it's a very simplified version of the game that he they're asking of him, and he still can't master it. I just I'm starting to wonder if he's how tough a guy a guy he is. How, is he a dog? Is he really is he a guy who wants to challenge every shot, or is it just not his mentality? I mean, he seems he sh- he shows you know sensitivity and and uh, you know it's like he shows disappointment. Uh, you know when Steph kind of. You know, kind of waved him off the other day. He, sh- he kind of sh- shrunk his shoulders. He just did some bad, some bad nonverbal coming from James Wiseman. And then when I look at the trades that are out there in these rumor mills, Bleacher Report or whatever, it's so obvious that their value is so so down. I mean, the you know some of the I've yet to see a trade involving Wiseman that in any way is intriguing. It's like they're. It's like they want to trade him for nothing. They want to basically just hand him away for well, somebody who's old. I mean, I don't love Jakob Pertl. Yeah, Pirtle, yeah but, how would you feel about Pertl for him? Well, like, you know, me, at that's... first, at first, I didn't like it because I, you know, Pertl to me seems like a stiff white guy who just can't play. But then you look at his numbers. He's he's averaging thirteen points, nine boards, three point six assists, one point one blocks, shooting sixty four percent. You know, if if he if you plugged him in and he could translate those Spurs numbers to what you know to the Warriors, that would be a noticeable impact. So maybe a guy like Pirtle is what they need. I kind of like Miles Turner, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. I, you know, seems like he's been on the trade market for a long time. Um, I don't know. I, I you know, I, none of those guys seem overly intriguing to me. Um, any other ideas? I haven't seen anybody that I thought, yeah, you know what, make that move. That absolutely, you want to make that move. I, well, you know, it always is for somebody who's either old or has their own issues. Well, you're thinking, and I think this is where a, a lot of Warrior fans are at, and I, and I, I understand it in in taking the fan component out of it you're thinking if you're making a a deal for james wiseman or or with james wiseman including him in it over the last year and a half or so and i I think kaminga is in this category as well as being a guy that was the number seven pick in the draft you're you're thinking that those guys are going to be in moves for for stars and i think what we're finding now is look the value of, of those two young players has gone down to a point where now it's really would you trade one or one of them for a role player right and i think that's where you know the the role player better be damn good because i think that's a that's an uncomfortable conversation larry in in the midst of the a front office that may be split in terms of you know wanting to win a title with the vets versus wanting to develop this next core and it like like does joe lakeup really want to trade james wiseman for a role player and and I think you know that may be the best you can do right now but I can see where that would be an uncomfortable proposition to the point where where you just don't make a deal at all you hang on to those guys hoping that maybe a year from now the value is such to where you can get a, a better player like I, I just don't see at this point maybe it changes as we get closer to the deadline in February but I don't see at this point the Warriors being willing to move one of those lottery picks for a role player yeah I mean that's the thing I mean you passed on Tyrese Halliburton for James Wiseman you passed on mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball for James Wiseman 
Wiseman. You get an Al Hawkum for Jay Crowder, a 32-year-old Jay Crowder, free agent at the end of the year. I mean, you sure as hell better have a parade at the end of this year or there's going to be all kinds of criticism coming your way, and it's going to be justified. All right, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. We've got more straight ahead. I want to ask J.D., we, this last segment I got going on the Warriors, but I want to get J.D.'s thoughts on, on it and what he thought of uh, Thanksgiving Day football and who he likes for Glendale, Arizona in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, we'll talk about that as we get you closer towards a Warrior basketball. J.D. coming up at 1130, about an hour from now with uh, Warriors Live, Warriors in Minneapolis taking on the T-Wolves today, and you'll hear it on 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now back. 5-7, the game. Well, good morning to everybody. Larry Kruger, normally sitting here with Neal doing Niner pregame, but uh, we got Warrior basketball coming up. So JD's going to take over at 1130. He joins me now and, and has been with me uh, here today, this morning as we uh, as we talk a little bit about everything. We started start off talking about the Niners. We kind of got into the Warriors. Uh, now we're going back a little bit to the NFL. By the way, the scores from some of the morning games, Browns have a 10-7 lead on the Buccaneers in Cleveland. Uh, Tom Brady has just thrown a touchdown pass in that one, so it's 10-7 Browns over the Bucks. Two minutes left to play in the first quarter. Bengals-Titans, no score in Nashville. Bengals are actually favored in that one, J.D., on the road to beat the 7-3 and Titans. That's interesting. You don't see a team 
uh, with a worse record, go on the road against a team with a better record and be favored. But that's the story there. No score in that one. Texans are down 10 nothing to the Dolphins uh, in Miami. Texans are bad. They don't have any offense. Jets have a 7-3 lead on the Bears. Uh, Bears are going with Trevor Simeon today at quarterback. Um, and Falcons, Commanders, uh, Commanders, both. Two, I think those are two underrated teams. Commanders have a seven-three lead. Watch out for the Commanders. I think that's going to be a tough game for the Niners coming up. The way the Commanders are playing on both sides of the ball, and then uh, Panthers in Charlotte have a seven-nothing lead on the Denver Broncos. Ravens, Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh, Jaguars have the ball. Twelve minutes to play in the first quarter. Still no score in that one. And then this afternoon, Chargers, Cardinals in the desert. Rams, Chiefs at Arrowhead, uh, and of course the Niners and the Saints from Levi's Stadium, and the Raiders will take on the Seahawks as well. It's a 105 start. Niners kick off at 125. 49ers in a eight and a half point favorite now over the New Orleans Saints, and then Sunday Night Football it will be the Packers and the Eagles from the link. And we'll see if, um, you know, Green Bay's been bad. They're four and seven. Rodgers is dinged up. Uh, Eagles are nine and one. Eagles about a touchdown favorite there. And then Thursday or Monday night, it's uh, Steelers Colts in Indy. Um, And then Thursday, we got uh, football. Bills beat the Lions 28 25. Giants lost to the Cowboys 28-20, and then the Vikings got a win over the Patriots 33-26. J.D., by the way, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you uh, eat a bunch of turkey and watch a bunch of football on, on Thanksgiving? Yep, perfect. It was it was a perfect day. I'm I'm a big sides guy. I'm a I'm a high carb. I know people tend to go to the low carb diet. I, I tend to go high carb. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll chase my my rolls with my mashed potatoes, with my mac and cheese, with my stuffing. Like I just 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 pile it all. Give me give me some yams and some sweet potatoes too. Why not? Just throw it all in there. Uh, so yeah, no great day of watching football. Great day of, of eating. I'm, I'm still feeling the effects here now, even three days later. It's not just Thursday, Larry. It's 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 really a, a week-long process, the, the, the whole Thanksgiving holiday eating uh, experience. So, yeah, still feeling it, I think, today, but it's a, it's a good kind of feeling it as I, I'm looking at uh, a couple of screens here with a lot of these games on. And, and I thought it was an entertaining day on Thursday to, to bring it back. I thought three, three real, real good games. Yeah, you know, the uh, the first game with Buffalo and Detroit, at the beginning of the year, J.D., I thought I had kind of like the Bills in their own category, like their own tier. And then, like, I thought everybody else was like a step or two beneath the Bills. And now, watching Josh Allen struggle with turnovers in the red zone, and maybe more importantly, watching how dinged up that Buffalo secondary is, it's not the same defense as they had early in the year. I mean, I felt like Jared Goff did what he wanted. And, you know, I know it, it, the numbers don't necessarily reveal it, but I thought it seemed like Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift have had running lanes. And I, I don't know. I mean, Buffalo, Von Miller, I don't know what his status is going forward. He went down in this game and was carted off. Um I don't know. I, I, you know, yeah, Buffalo's still eight and three, and Josh Allen's still incredible. And that last pass that he threw, you know, thirty-seven yard pass, when you know, at the end of the game to uh, get them in field goal range for Bass to kick the game winner. I mean, that was there's very few quarterbacks that can make that play. But I just, I think Buff, I think the, when I watched Buffalo, at least against the Lions, I thought the Niners can beat this team. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think they're more beatable. I think that was the, the, the quick note that I that I jotted down. I think the defense not quite being as good and not quite as good against the run was the thing from, a, hey, if the Niners are playing them on, you know, in February in, in Glendale, Arizona, you know, what does it look like? The, the only thing I, I will say for that matchup, and it's, it's independent of really the game on Thursday, but more that matchup in general – is is just it's still Josh Allen and the mobile quarterback's ability to make big plays against the 49ers defense. And I know we're going to talk about who the biggest threats are and Super Bowl favorites and all that. So I won't I won't give it all to you in one fell swoop, but that's the one neutralizing component of the Bills game is Josh Allen's ability. Like can he if, if those two teams are playing, do the Niners pick him a, a, a time or two more than he makes a big play? play with his legs or or backyard football to to make enough plays to beat the Niners because typically the the mobile playmaking quarterback is the San Francisco 49ers kryptonite uh, in, in this era here of the last three or four years for the most part where they've been uh, a good football team. The other the other just brief takeaway is Kansas City still the team to beat in the AFC top to bottom. Like it's it's Kansas City I think now in their own tier, and then Buffalo maybe still at the top of the next tier, but but much more beatable with some of those teams that are beneath them. You know it, it it's. It, it, Last year, when the Niners uh, lost to Dallas or beat Dallas, I should say in the uh, in the playoffs, they they just went in there and they just ran it on them. And I'm and I watched Dallas against the Giants on Thanksgiving, and yeah, Dallas has got some incredible. I mean, Micah Parsons is a monster. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think Prescott's pretty solid. Zeke looks better than he looked a year ago. They can clearly run it with Zeke and with Pollard. Um, and I, I, I'm banking the Cowboys are going to get OBJ. So I'm, I'm looking at them going, okay, it's right now it's CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. But eventually it's going to be CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, OBJ, probably mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz. So they've got weapons. they got a pretty good old line if they get Ty- uh, Tyron Smith back. Um, and defensively, they're 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 an improving defense, and Parsons is probably the defensive player of the year in the league. But then you go back to the playoffs last year, and it's like you know what the Niners just ran it on them. And Dallas this year is twenty sixth in the NFL against the run. I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just until proven otherwise, I just kind of think the Niners are going to be able to go into Dallas and and beat Dallas. I I don't think that's. I mean, like I'm looking at the box score from last year's Niner game. The Niners went there. They ran it 38 times in Dallas for 169 yards and two touchdowns. 4.4 carry. Now, granted, Debo had 10 carries for 72 yards, so he kind of distorted things. But he had the big one, right? He yeah, he had, a, that- he had a 26-yard run in that game. But also, Elijah Mitchell had 27 carries for 96 yards. And Elijah's healthy and fresh right now. I don't know. I, I look at Dallas, and I think if the Niners played Dallas right now, I don't care if it's at Levi's or if it's at Jerry's World, they're going to go right in there, and they're going to run it right down their throat. Yeah, I, I feel like Dallas is better this year than they were last year. That is the pathway to victory for the 49ers, though. I mean, you you nailed it. It's the ability to go in and, and hammer them and, and run the football. I think the other pathway to victory for the Niners against the Cowboys would be, and, and I think Odell Beckham Jr. is is involved in this, too, and I think OBJ is going to wind up with, with the Cowboys. But when, when Dallas is at their best, 
they run a more conservative, run-oriented, run-first kind of an offense. And I think we saw it when Cooper Rush was in there as opposed to, to Dak Prescott. There's almost an obligation at times, it seems, to 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 make sure Dak is getting his and getting his numbers and and you know it is proven to be a, a quarterback in a, in a way statistically and I I just wonder if adding Odell Beckham takes the Cowboys out of what they do best when they're most successful offensively and that is being that run first play action keep hammering the run hit you with the big pass have a few big plays here and there in the passing game type of an offense I also wonder if Dallas is buttoned up enough and you remember that game last year I mean the Niners the only reason the game was close really was the Niners were not buttoned up in that game they were sloppy penalties like it it was in in many ways it was the quintessential Kyle Shanahan you know losing game the only problem was and the Niners were able to run the football which which was big the the only problem was for Dallas Dallas was worse they had more penalties they were less buttoned up like they were just just not ready to play and that's been a theme of, of Mike McCarthy's teams really other than the one year he won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers going back to what 2010 where they caught some breaks and, and had some key interceptions and the defense really helped them for Green Bay that year in, in key moments get them over the hump uh, they tend to be a, a team that's just sloppy in in the big moments and I think that's a, an area where the Niners can take advantage. I think both the Niners and the Cowboys right now Larry are better teams than they were top to bottom, more complete teams than they were top to bottom a year ago. I think it gets down to who makes fewer mistakes and I still would probably lean toward the Niners making fewer mistakes in in that kind of a matchup. You know, it's so interesting watching Jerry Jones and and run, run that team, right? Again, if he, if he had fallen in a hole and not fired Jimmy Johnson, he probably would have emerged from that hole instead of three rings. He probably would have had seven rings. You know, instead he chased yeah. Jimmy Johnson out. He went with Switzer. The thing they started just, you know, he started making the picks himself, and he's drafting guys <laughs> like Shante Carver and Greg. Al Davis without the football acumen. Exactly. I mean, really, like like old Al Davis without being a, a legitimate personnel guy. Right. And 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 then things changed a few years ago. They brought in a guy named Will McClay, I believe, who's in their front office. And now they're listening to McClay. And they've put together a you know a number of better drafts in recent years. But I agree with you. They still have Mike McCarthy. McCarthy's kind of a fraud. And in some ways, McCarthy's greatest moment, the quarterback that he passed on in the 05 draft, Aaron Rodgers, is right. the guy that he leaned on for his one Super Bowl. I mean, how's that? I mean, you, you could have had Rodgers and said you chose Alex Smith, and then you luckily wound up as the head coach of a team that happened to be quarterbacked by Rodgers. And then you guys win one ring together, and that's it. Um, I, I'm not a McCarthy guy. I agree. I think they're sloppy. I think they play, they play sloppy football. They commit penalties. They don't stop the run. I'm going to give you a team. You tell me if you believe in them, okay? Um, do you believe in Minnesota? What did you think of Minnesota the other night against the against the Patriots? And do you believe in them? Because, man, if Kirk Cousins, if you can pressure Kirk Cousins in that Dallas game, his O-line just crumbled. Christian Derrissaw was out. Dallas put a lot of rush on him. And Cousins just cratered in the pocket. I'm just wondering, where are you on the Vikings as a viable Super Bowl contender? Yeah, I, I don't totally believe in the Vikings. I think you can score on their defense, which is, is probably the I, I think that's the, the 
big week. Like they have play the playmakers and, and offensive weapons, and and yeah, I think you you hit on the key to. To, to slowing down the offense a little bit, it's getting Cousins off his spot and 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 turning him into somebody that that, that can turn it over and, and not get the job done in a big game. But to me, I look at it the other way with with the Vikings. I think, and in particular, like like if if the Vikings were playing Dallas, I'd probably pick Dallas. And we saw those two teams play, and, and Dallas throttled them. And and the Cowboys have had their number these these last you know few years. Although they're a different team with a different coach this year. Talking about Minnesota, yeah, we've seen Philly, uh, you know, Philly beat Minnesota. I mean, that's the that's the other loss in in Philly. Going back, what was a Monday night game uh, early on in, in the season? So I, I feel like if Philly and the Vikings play, Philly winds up beating them. I think the Niners, while it would be a tough environment, I think if the Niners have to go to Minnesota, the the one thing that that nobody's really talked about because we haven't really thought about it yet, that would be I think the most legitimate home field advantage that Kyle Shanahan's ever faced in a in a playoff game. Like it isn't Dallas or Green Bay in the snow or SoFi when the place is seventy percent forty nine er fans. Like that would be something that the Niners would have to deal with in a in a divisional game, something like that, if you have to go to Minnesota where it gets very loud and and you'd you'd have to play a real buttoned up game, I, I think, if you're the Niners to to win there. But I think you can score on the Vikings, and that's the that's the key. And the way I see the Niners beating Minnesota, yeah, you get Cousins off his spot. But but to me, that's a game where you gotta you gotta go score thirty. And what we've seen from the Niners from time to time is they they'll inability to do it, missed opportunities. Like that's a game where you can't have missed opportunities. Like you gotta go in, you gotta score touchdowns, you gotta put the pressure on the Vikings to keep scoring touchdowns. You know, you can't let that game get off schedule where you get behind. And you know their defense can take advantage of the crowd and, and that sort of thing. But believing in the Vikings, I, I want to like them. I really do. I, I, I tend to like Kirk Cousins and Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and they, you know Thielen's still there. They just picked up Hawkinson. Like I, I, I like their weapons. I like their team. But I do think they're vulnerable. I do think they're beatable. And I probably would pick Dallas, Philly. And the 49ers to beat them in a in a playoff game involving any of those teams. Where is where are you with Philly? Because I mean, you know, Hertz looks so good early in the year. They added AJ Brown. Javon Hargrave is playing monster in the middle uh, next to Fletcher Cox, and so the Philly's really good on the line of scrimmage. But if you watch their games, I mean, they have struggled recently in their passing game against zone defenses. Uh, then you mix in the fact that Washington ran for a buck fifty on them in week 10. They were life and death to beat the lowly Colts last week. They beat them by a single point. It just seems like zone defenses are are, are turning off, um, you know, Hertz's ability to rump to run and scramble, and he's having a hard time kind of finding the soft spot in the zone. Then they they lost Dallas Goddard. Where are you with the Eagles? They got the great, awesome, you know, record. They look, you know, the the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC likely goes through Philly. But like, if you told me the 49ers had to go to Philadelphia, I, I'm not concerned. I think the Niners can win that game and and maybe win it convincingly. Yeah, I, I would be, and I, I would be concerned with Philly again. The environment, but it's less about the environment. If if you're playing them in a championship game, to me, it would be more about the the mobile quarterback and about hurts and making plays with his legs and and I and I hear you I I think 
you know, the Niners, you'd feel good about it. Uh, you know, you'd feel good about them, you know, going in there and, and holding their own and, and then the like. But I, I just think that's the kind of game where you'd have to you'd have to go in and be able to run it. You'd have to go in and keep the game on schedule and you'd have to be able to contain Jalen Hurts' ability to make plays with his legs that can keep the chains moving or, or put touchdowns on the board. I think the Niners would have a better shot at beating Philly the first game. And, and look, the only way that's going to happen would be if the Niners end up, I mean, I'm looking, they'd almost have to end up a wild card team to play them the first week. Like, I think Philly is vulnerable the first week if they have the bye and somebody's coming in that's played and is buttoned up and has won a game the week before. Like, I feel like if Philly is a game away from the Super Bowl and that's the NFC Championship game and they've got a win under their belt, I, I feel like the, the kryptonite of the Niners being the mobile quarterback, whether it's been Kyler Murray over the years or Allen or Mahomes or you know whoever Russell Wilson, Justin Fields this year, how Marcus Mariota lit him up. I know the Niners were incredibly banged up, but Mariota's been able to be effective. Like uh, there's something to the Jalen Hurts mobile quarterback thing that just when you think the Niners are have it dialed or are about ready to get over the hump, they can't quite get over the hump. And typically, it's a mobile quarterback that's on the other end putting the 49ers to bed. I like the Niners' chances of going to the Super Bowl because I don't, you know, I, I think they can run it on Dallas. I think they could uh, potentially run it on the Eagles. Um, I, I think there's a very good chance that they can they can pressure Kirk Cousins and and um, and and beat Minnesota. So I, I don't really fear those teams, and I'm not really sure what other team we may see. Tampa, I guess, and Brady's yeah. always dangerous. What about uh, Washington? October. What about Washington? In a and 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 it's great because we're going to get a look at on Christmas Eve. They're going to be at Levi's, so we'll get a, a a straight up look at what that matchup would look like. But what about what? What if the Niners are the three seed, Larry, and they win the division and they got to play that wild card weekend, and the Washington Commanders are coming in as a as a six seed uh, to to take on the Niners that have a lot of momentum. Well, I mean they're, they're scary. They're really scary. They're a scary football team. Why? Because they're you know they they tried to go with Wentz. Obviously, it didn't work. They went back to Heineke. You can tell when you watch their games that the players really like Taylor Heineke. They really believe in him. Um, he's playing well today uh, against the Falcons. I think he's like six of eight for seventy-one yards and a touchdown. Then they got a two-headed running back in the rookie out of Bama, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. They can throw it to Gibson out of the backfield. They got a true number one receiver in Terry McLaurin. Um, they don't have a lot of weapons though, so you can kind of you know you can kind of roll your coverage and, and tilt the entire field towards McLaurin and try to take him away and force them to go in a different direction. But I'll tell you what makes them scary is they've got three guys on their front seven in Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, and Jonathan Allen that all have to command a double team. And you can't double team three guys on a defensive line. So that's that's a concern. They've got the kind of defensive line that can kind of ruin your day. Um, and 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 who knows? I mean, Chase Young was inactive today, but if Chase Young can get on the field, he's a blue chipper. And you add him to what they already have up front, that might be one of the NFL's best defensive lines. So, yeah, I, well, I, I think of all the games left on the Niners' schedule, that Washington game is going to be a really tough game. Really tough game. Um, that being said, before we take a break here, 
what who's your Super Bowl pick? I mean, I asked uh, I asked uh, uh, Sean Salisbury the other day, and he said he likes Niners out of the NFC. He likes the Chiefs out of the AFC. We had Jordan uh, Elliott on from Niners Nation. He likes that same combo. I'm going Niners in the NFC. I'm going with the Ravens. I just think that Roquan Smith uh, helps their run D immeasurably, and Harbaugh's got playoff experience, and they tend to play well in the playoffs. Uh, they're kind of a bully team. I don't know if Lamar can come from behind if he has to throw it in the playoffs. But if he could play in December and January the way he played in September, I'd feel really, really good about the Ravens. But I don't know. Something tells me that the Bills um, have some issues. And Kansas City, you know, they they made that statement after they won one. Oh, we're we're going to win seven. It seems like that their little snake bit ever since, and especially come playoff time. I, I guess I'm wishing against Kansas City, but uh, but I'm saying Ravens Niners. How do you see it? Yeah, it, I need to see a little more out of the Niners. As much as everything's been been rolling for them, and some of these other teams do have legitimate flaws, I think subject to change. But right now, today, I would go Chiefs coming out of the AFC. I think they are the the, the team to beat. And and I think I'm still leaning Eagles in, in the NFC. I think the Eagles are going to get together. I think they win tonight against Green Bay, and they're going to be a team that you know they're, they're going to be a 14 and three team. I, I think, and maybe even 15 and two when, when it's all said and done. And that gets them the one seed. I, I do think they'll be a little bit vulnerable uh, to to a team that's already got a playoff win under their belt coming into the link in the in the first uh, divisional weekend for them. So it'll be the second weekend of the playoffs. But but right now, I I, I just think they've got the the kryptonite that that would beat the Niners. I, I see an Eagles Niners NFC Championship game. Right now, with the Eagles maybe coming out on top and, and going on to play the Chiefs. Look at that, the Steiny Bowl, the Steiny Boy. He's a big Eagles guy, right? <laughs> Is yeah. He? Yeah, there you go. All right, let's take a timeout. We're gonna only when they're good. He's a front runner, as he likes to say. He's like, I'm a, fr- I'm a, fr- I like them, but only when they're good, when they got action. There you go. Speaking of action, I took the Dolphins on the tees, so I've got Dolphins minus six. They're up seventeen, nothing. I took the Niners today on the tees. Mm. Uh, so I get the Niners minus one and a half. And who's my third team? I went with Kansas City over the Rams and their third string quarterback. It's a big number. It's 15 and a half. So I teased it down to minus eight. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm so, Right now I'm alive because uh, the, uh, the Dolphins are up 17 nothing on the Houston Texans. All right. Uh, a coaching legend says goodbye here in the Bay Area. We'll get J.D.'s thoughts on that. Aaron Judge to the Giants will get his thoughts on that as we touch, touch on a number of topics. And then we'll get back into the 49ers and Saints matchup as we get a little closer to 1130. Now at 1130, J.D. will take the reins and carry you right to 1230. And that's Warrior Tip today. Warriors in the, and the T-Wolves in Minneapolis. And you'll hear it on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 